This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Uber is arguably one of the most highly anticipated public offerings of the year, and it's expected to be one of the largest in the tech sector when it debuts this Friday. Its valuation has been between 60 and $70 billion for some time now, but expectations are that it could be in the neighborhood of $91 billion when it eventually goes public. The ride-hailing service is expected to sell 207 million shares at a price of 44 to $50 a share. Rival Lyft went public on March 29th of this year. The stock price started at $78.29 and was down to $62.51 by the end of last week. So given the struggles that Lyft has had, is Uber really worth that near triple-digit billion-dollar price tag? In addition to this, drivers for Uber, Lyft, and other ride-hailing services are reportedly planning a two-hour strike in some major cities around the U.S. on Wednesday morning as they demand job security and higher incomes, among other things. What impact could any of that have on Uber's IPO? Dave Erickson is a senior fellow and lecturer in Wharton's finance department in San Francisco and joins us from the studios out on the West Coast. Also with us, David Brophy, director of the Office for the Study of Private Equity Finance as well as a finance professor at the University of Michigan's Ross School of Business. Dave, David, great to have you with us today. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. Thanks, Dan. Thank nice you. to be here. Thank you. So, uh, Dave Erickson, so is this potential valuation really worth it? Are, are we looking at $91 billion? You know, the markets will determine that this week, obviously, and uh, given uh, – kind of the way the markets have started today, it's, you know, it'll be a little bit more testy than than I think you would have expected after last week in terms of positive performance in the market. Um, you know, Uber is one of the transformative technology companies and probably the most significant IPO we've seen in the market since Alibaba went public in 2014. So when you put it in that kind of realm uh, and just looking at the numbers and looking at and thinking about the numbers that the institutional investors will be looking at uh, in the marketplace in terms of how they think about the model continuing to build out with the potential $16 billion of cash that Uber has. And, um, yeah, I, th- I think it's well-valued, um, but the markets will determine that this week. David, your thoughts? Well, I think uh, I, I agree with uh, with Dave or David. I don't know how to call him, but um, – uh, <laughs> Uh, I see that uh, the Vanguard, for example, invested uh, private equity in um, February, and they carry it at $47.50. So there's a mark there. I realize that preferred and common are quite different. But um, the, the uh, appeal seems to be on the platform that uh, potentially exists. And the question, I guess, that people would have is whether – the uh, disaffection that uh, drivers are showing uh, and the difficulties that they're posing to the company are at the core, really, of the potential for that platform. In other words, without drivers or with fractious drivers all the time, how uh, how quickly can you build that platform? How effective will it be? And, and so on. So I think that's where the challenge is. Uh, by the same token, a lot of people, a lot of individuals, a lot of what we might call retailers, retail investors, already uh, hold uh, Uber 
through their holdings in mutual funds and pension funds and so on. And so they're not entirely strangers to, to this company, uh, which might be one you know, scary feature about it, this giant monster is sort of descending on the market. So I would think that a uh, number of people uh, will show up to uh, invest as, as retailers. Uh, it's interesting that that would give a much more democratic uh, kind of capital structure to the company going forward as all the options uh, within it right now have to be exercised. Also with us, Evan Raleigh of the University of Minnesota's Carlson School of Business and Associate Professor in Strategic Management and Entrepreneurship. Evan, welcome. And, and, and I'll, I'll start with you regarding the leadership aspect of, of Uber and obviously the change of leadership uh, just a couple of years ago and how that that kind of changed the dynamic within Uber a little bit. Hi, Dan. Uh, well, yeah, Dara really changed the uh, the culture of the firm, and he also focused their investments. Uh, as you may recall, Uber was spending about $20 million a month on the autonomous vehicle project, which was really a sidebar away from their core U.S. ride-hailing business. Right. He's really refocused the organization around um, ride-hailing and some more sensible corporate strategy investments, such as in the food delivery business, which is really complementary, as well as in some defensive um, uh, expansions, for example, into new mobility, where they're trying to keep others from creating a network that can rival theirs and potentially undermine their barriers to entry. So has has Dara made it a more, I guess, a more steady business, uh, Evan? Because it, when you're factoring, when you're taking out kind of the, uh, the development process on the electric side and you're adding in the food business, that would think that would seem to make it more of a, a of a core stable business. Exactly. Yeah. So, that you know, Uber is losing so much money, uh, $2 billion last year, $4 billion the year before, that they really need to think about ways to generate positive cash flow in the future. The core business is essentially an undifferentiated product. They're competing against Lyft in the U.S., and they're competing against other major competitors elsewhere in the world. It's difficult to generate positive cash flow in an undifferentiated business without tacit collusion. And so it's important for Uber to be able to find some way to legally collude with Lyft and their, and their rivals to start generating positive cash flow. What Dara has done is he's organized the businesses in such a way that there's a hope in the future uh, that in the not-too-distant future, Uber could actually be cash flow positive, right. and they're going to have to generate a lot of cash in the not-too-distant future to justify anything near a $90 billion valuation. Dave Erickson, your thoughts? Uh, with regards to Dara or with regards to... With regards to Dara and where they need to yeah. be moving forward. Yeah, so uh, I, I think Dara joining Uber is reminiscent of when Eric Schmidt uh, joined Google before it went public. Uh, obviously, different circumstances and relationships with the founders, but he's a well-known, seasoned CEO with a you know significant track record in his own right uh, before joining Uber, and I think that's one of the positives that a lot of the institutional investors are, are taking comfort in is you've got a seasoned pair of hands at the helm and, you know, you've got Nelson who's joined at, as the CFO, again, another seasoned public market um, uh, CFO. Um, so again, I think that gives people great comfort, uh, but you know, they, they have to continue, 
you know, building out the platform in the way, yep. you know, and I think they've set up about it, you know, when you put the distinction between Uber and Lyft, I think the, the distinction I would make is uh, Uber is really trying to be a global transportation platform company, whereas Lyft is more focused on being a ride sharing company here in the U.S., and David Brophy, that that build out moving forward has to be an important component to the continued strength of that valuation moving forward. Oh yeah, in, indeed. And uh, as somebody once said, hope is not a strategy, you know. But um, the thing in the long run that that's sort of interesting is that uh, first of all, the drivers don't like the autonomous vehicle, you know, idea. And uh, the smart cities folks uh, ultimately want to get rid of uh, of cars. Uh, they want people delivered to the core of the city by some other method. So if it is indeed the case that Uber has transportation as the center of its, um, its future, uh, they're going to have to figure out some way to get around that because uh, more and more cities are becoming what we would call smart cities and I think that'll influence uh, their future a lot. Evan Raleigh, have have we now moved with what people now understand Uber as, and the variety of uh, of additions that they have added to the company in terms of of uh, uh, of opportunities through things like Uber Eats and such? Have we moved past the point where we had all of that concern brought forward by cities and and the taxi industry? I mean, I'm sure the taxi industry is still not really happy today, but are we moving past that at this point? Well, there's still a tremendous amount of regulatory risk that Uber faces both domestically and internationally. Um, you know, one issue is in order for them to become profitable in the future, they're going to have to raise fares to consumers and they're going to have to reduce reimbursement rates to drivers. That's going to make people unhappy with them and there's going to be more regulatory scrutiny as people are more unhappy. If Uber does turn out to be a cozy duopoly with Lyft in the U.S., we're likely to see more fares, uh, sorry, more fees imposed by the city on Uber and Lyft fares, and so that's going to harm their profitability as well. I mean, basically, they they have two business units: ride hailing and food delivery. They have right. some other sidebar businesses and new mobility and, and freight and autonomous vehicles, but basically, all their cash flow is being generated by two businesses, and those businesses are sub are highly subject to local regulation. Dave. Erickson, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I, I think you've got, as um, the previous guest said, um, they have, in terms of their current revenue stream, absolutely uh, uh, more on the ride hailing and the uh, eats business. Uh, but, you know, they, they're, the, the way they have are positioned in terms of the freight and shipping markets, the way they are positioned internationally in terms of their minority interests in some of the largest markets, be it. Uh, and the largest players in the China, Southeast Asia, and uh, Russia, you know, when you think about, you know, I talked to a couple of the institutional investors that are looking at the uh, IPO and, and saw the, the company and what, what they're, they're taking an approach as they think about valuation as a, a sum of the parts between some of the business we just talked about as well as what they've done on the autonomous side in terms of the investments there. And then... The, you know, that's the way they're looking at it uh, in the context of we believe this can be a significant player and of of the what I would characterize as the recent large technology IPOs, the unicorns that have gone public, as well as ones that we expect in the near term. 
I think investors look at Uber as potentially the next big company on the technology landscape. And, and, and quite honestly, it's, it's for most institutional investors, it's a must-own for those that don't already own it. The Fidelities, the BlackRocks, et cetera. Uh, you know, already have significant positions. And and David Brophy, it is amazing when you think about this right now that these are companies that realistically are are, are still in their infancy. I mean, they're, they're not very old when you think about the landscape of, of business success here in the U.S. and other parts of the world. Well, that's true. And, and uh, you know, when you think about uh, unicorns, uh, they're now 333 or something like that. Uh, so people, in a sense, are getting accustomed to them. It's not so strange anymore. What goes along with that is that uh, uh, people are saying that most of the gains in these equity investments are going to the uh, private uh, market investors as opposed to the public market investors, which may be a source of a little bit of fear uh, for for uh, investors at the margin here who now have to put their faith in uh, a business model that has frankly been uh, – challenged, et cetera. And, um, you know, can all of these parts, some of the parts come together? So, th- so David, uh, let me ask you this. Then w- we saw just a few weeks ago uh, what occurred with Lyft. And obviously there was a lot of, of excitement going into that IPO. And, and obviously I mentioned the stock price and, and it has retreated since then. Should investors expect something similar when Uber hits the markets? Which, which David? David, David Brophy, I'm sorry. Oh, well, I, I think that uh, the, the biggest thing with Lyft was people finally got a look at Uber's numbers and, uh, and the muscle that they show, the size differential and so on. Uh, I, think, I think it actually might, uh, it might be a, a bit of a positive for Uber if they see who the local competitor is. Now, they've had to give ground in these other countries, as uh, David was saying before, um, you know, and they now have minority positions, which means they're not the boss in those in those places. But by the same token, all of these service things have tended to do well when they're provided by local providers, as opposed to people who come in or companies that come in. So uh, I think that uh, as far as the, the global thing is concerned, they're probably uh, well set up. Um, uh, future in the U.S. I think compared to Lyft is uh, is strong. Uh, the other things remain to be seen. Dave Erickson? I, it, yeah, so I, I, I agree. I think it's much it's a much different kettle of fish uh, in terms of the Uber IPO. Here you have a company that's seen as, I think, one of the leaders in terms of one of the, you know, people always talk about disruptive technologies. They are seen as, you know, in the similar vein as what Amazon and um, Facebook and Google have been able to accomplish in Netflix. And so... I think people think about that. Now, what's in, been interesting is we've seen public uh, companies go public later. A lot of the reasons because the private markets have evolved in a way where there's a lot more capital available. But, you know, I don't think just because it's 80, 90 billion dollars a day, that there's not significant upside if you look forward. I mean, one example is when Alibaba went public back in 2014, Amazon was trading at $331 a share and $153 billion market cap. Um, and so, obviously, they've done quite well, um, uh, even at that size. Uh, and, you know, five, six, seven times your money in that time, in less than five years. So, 
Um, I think there's a op- significant opportunity. Now, the, the interesting thing will be how do the markets behave this week? And, uh, you know, as I was coming to the studio this morning, the Dow's down 500 points or something uh, based on concerns about the China-U.S. trade war. And if you have difficult market conditions this week when it prices, it could be a little bit more challenging. Evan Raleigh, uh, it's interesting because also Uber has made its fair share of mistakes along the way, uh, both in, in, in various locations around the world, but also some of the, the issues with Travis Kalanick, the former CEO. And so right. that, that process that, that Dave Erickson just mentioned about taking a little bit more time, you wonder if part of that was also kind of playing out through all of those issues and making sure that those were far enough in the rearview mirror as well. Well, there was absolutely a enormous management challenge that Dara faced when he came in. Travis had run the company in a much more entrepreneurial, seat-of-the-pants style. Uh, Uber had anticipated that they would have such a big head start if they just ran through their product in every local market that they would be essentially a monopolist and they would be able to reap monopoly rents. That hasn't been the case. They're challenged in every market that they're still operating in. Um, significantly in Europe, which makes up maybe about uh, a quarter of their market cap if you do a sum of the parts valuation. They've had to retreat from China and uh, in Southeast Asia under intense competition there. Yes, they have a minority stake. It's probably worth about $12.5 billion. That's better than nothing, certainly, but uh, they spent a lot of money developing those markets as well. And so, yes, Dara's had to significantly uh, reorient the organization, professionalize the management, put in human resource systems that will conform to what is expected of a of a major public company operating on a global scale. But Dave Erickson, there's also just the element of, of when Uber does go public in the fact that they will start reporting quarterly earnings uh, and, and the fact that this is a company that has struggled to be profitable. Uh, I think there's an expectation that that may con- uh, continue for a little while. But at some point, the expectations are going to run out, and you have to get to the bottom line profits. Well, I, you know, it, I will uh, disagree with you a little bit okay. in the context of Amazon went public in 1997, but yet didn't report profitability to at least 12 years later. Okay. Um, so I think different companies get different rope um, and latitude from com- uh, from for certain companies. And I think Uber is one of those companies based on already having $11 billion of revenue in 2018 and pro forma for the deal having $16 billion in cash uh, to operate. I think uh, investors are giving them a significant amount of rope, um, you know, to, to, to execute their plan. So it's not just specifically, since you used Amazon as the example, uh, it's not just specifically the, the, that these are companies that are now in this digital age and there's a, maybe a different set of expectations. It is a company-by-company company process here. Absolutely. Every company. Investors look at um, companies in a, in a broad spectrum and a lot of the factors that drive their decision-making process in IPO. I I actually retired from Wall Street about six years ago and used to take companies like Google and Facebook. I was part of taking Google and Facebook and Blackstone and other companies public. Every uh, company is different, uh, and every company is given, you know, from an investor's perspective, they have different things they look for, but it's all, all, all similar categories. What's the strength of management? Do they have the ability to execute the strategy they laid out? Yeah. Um, 
and do they have enough, uh, 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 whether it's a total addressable market or scale, to be able to build moats that uh, investors think that uh, they can be a significant player. They can go from $90 billion to, let's say, $150 billion from a market cap perspective. Those are the ways in which companies um, and how investors look at companies like this. David Brophy? Well, I, I agree with uh, with David on all of those uh, the points. The um, um, the big issue here, I think, is that, that there's nothing wrong with showing losses if you consider them as uh, reinvestment of cash into your business. One difficulty here, or one potential difficulty, is that much of the cash that's been provided to uh, Uber is coming from investors, and uh, it could have limited patience, and they could be subject to uh, market corrections, as uh, David was alluding to here this week, let's say. Um, but, um, you know, it, it's a question of what the customer wants, and uh, usually providers will adjust to the customer. And uh, we happen to see a lot of competition here, and uh, that, could, that could strengthen this whole market, this whole new concept of, uh, of transportation and delivery. And uh, it, that's where the management comes in. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what the board composition is after the IPO and, um, you know, if it changes. Evan, though, will this continue to be a, a, a sector that is somewhat dominated by, by two entities in Uber and Lyft? I, I mean, when you think about the U.S. and maybe other locations, obviously there are some other components in China as well. Well, there's huge barriers to entry in this business. You have to get you're never going to get a rider to click your app if you don't have any drivers, and you're never going to need drivers if you don't have riders. So there's a huge chicken or the egg problem here, which creates a barrier, a major barrier to entry. The the bigger problem is that this is an undifferentiated product. Whether I ride in an Uber or in a Lyft is completely irrelevant to me as long as I get from point A to point B. So if there's even one other competitor in an undifferentiated market, there's high potential for prices to drop down to marginal cost. If prices are at marginal cost, there's no profits. And all businesses need to generate profits to be worth something in the future. So, yes, Uber is going to have a long rope. We're going to let them lose money for some time. But at some point, there has to be the promise that they'll generate profits in the future. That's, not going to be, that's, that's only going to come if they raise prices to consumers and reduce reimbursement rates to drivers. And so barriers to entry are very moats, as we say, are very, uh, very nice for Uber. They've created a, a barrier to entry very effectively. But they're still facing what we call Bertrand competition in the future in their core market in the U.S. against Lyft and in every market around the world. So there's still major uh, risks in terms of their business model that they're going to have to face. Gentlemen, have to end it there. Thank you all for your insight. Dave Erickson, Dave Brophy, thank you very much. Evan, thank you as well. Greatly appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Dave Erickson from uh, the Wharton San Francisco campus, uh, David Brophy uh, at the University of Michigan, and Evan Raleigh at the University of Minnesota. also want to send a thank you to Charlene Goto, who is uh, our sound engineer out at our SiriusXM studio in San Francisco in getting us up and running out there for that uh, part of the interview. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.